I just wanted to point out, I'm the one who's being nice. <laughs> it doesn't happen often. I wanted that point out there. <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Listeners, to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your co hosts, Wendy, joined as always by my shenanigator, Melissa. Hi. And we are joined tonight by returning special guest star correspondent, Pat. Me! Yay, Pat Wick! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, listeners, tonight we are going to go through our Xana Cine holiday, which we held yest- when we recorded this yesterday on February 20th. I don't know for sure. When, when is this going to go up, Melissa? This week. Later this week, actually. Oh, my goodness. We're, that's so exciting. We are being timely on this Ooh, one what? for once. Crazy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This will be so exciting. I know, right? Um, <laughs> so I've been listening to Junk Food Cinema. Like I do. And he talks about, get what does he call it? Not like the paperwork, the administrative details out of the way. Like, oh, we're on Stitcher and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The administrative details for this podcast are, what are you drinking? Eh, I'm drinking some more yellowtail sangria. Woohoo! Mm, mm, punchy, punch, punch, booze. Mm. <laughs> what about... You two fine ladies in Minnesota. Oh, I just have water tonight. I've I've had a super rough day with uh, <laughs> with my health, so it's just water mm. today. That's good. Yeah. Water is a beverage. It is a beverage. It's wet. It's it's what the body needs sometimes. I thought that was electrolytes. I'm just saying. That too. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a special blend of uh, spiced iced tea that I do myself. Ooh. How how does one do spiced iced tea? Um, Well, I use actually a base of uh, spiced tea from the tea source. Okay. And then I add some more things to it. Oh, nice. Because it's a nice base, but it's just not quite enough. So I add a little more. Okay. A little bit of sugar and... Put it in a big old tub and drink it all day. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Love it. All right. So what, pray tell, is Xanacina Holiday? Well, Xanacina Holiday was the day we designated where we all went out and saw as many movies as we possibly could. And we also invited our listeners to uh, join us as well, and and a few of them did. So um, I do have notes uh, from listeners who were watching movies at home, watching movies out, you know, one or two here and there. So it was really fun to hear from everybody uh, as we were going through the day, hopping from theater to theater. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. Where -hmm. were you, Wendy? I spent the majority of the day at the Alamo Draft House Lake Line. Okay. I did um, make a brief foray to the Regal Arbor Six Great Hills. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's like they designed that name by Mad Lib. 
I know. I I just called it the Regal Great Hills, but it really is the Regal Arbor Six Great Hills. I had to check because yeah, I had to find it also. <laughs> um, but it was the only place that was showing Brooklyn. Okay. Okay. Which I did. I did want to see the Dollar Show was showing. That feels so weird in my mouth. The Dollar Show was showing. The Forest, which I was also, I had on my list of maybe if I can work that in, but it didn't, it didn't quite work out. But I, okay. was, I do kind of want to see The Forest. You were on point, though. You got six in yesterday. I did. I started at 10 a.m. Nice. Do you know how early that is for me? Yeah, that's pretty early. That's, that's ridiculous. That's like early. 6 a.m. for you. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, I woke up on my own. I woke up on purpose at like 8.30 a.m. On a Saturday, I'm impressed, Wendy. I know. Thank you. I'm. I this. I'm committed. (laughs) And where were you, Pat? I actually went to uh, two different theaters. I started the day at the Rosedale uh, AMC Theater, and then I did a brief foray to the uh, uh, Riverview Theater to see a movie, and then I went back to AMC. That the Riverview Theater, uh, dear listeners, is an amazing place. It's, yeah, yeah, it's like a 1950s movie palace that's all restored and it's all that um, like 50s modern uh, architecture and. Oh yes, it's uh, yeah. it very it's, mod, and yeah. it has it's still just one screen. It sits, what is it like 600 people? Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's a huge, enormous. Yeah. yeah. But it's got good sight lines. What I really like about it is that was back when they were still building. No, it's not um, stadium seating, but it's got a nice incline to where you're not just staring mostly at the back of somebody's head. Yeah. And they put real butter on the popcorn. And they do. And you can get a popcorn and soda for, I think it was $6 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with real yeah. butter. Yeah. It's pretty great. Oh, yeah. I love going to that theater. And their movies are usually two bucks. So yes, it's it's great. And uh, it's a favorite of the community around it. So the place is always full. Yes. Yeah. And always it's just good to see. in the middle of a residential community. So it, mm-hmm. it's literally something people just walk to. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. great. It is I, super great. I want one. <laughs> I do. It's nice to want things. It is. I want lots of things. So therefore, I have a lot of nice things. What? <laughs> no. No, that's not what I meant at all. (laughs) Melissa, where did you spend the day? I was at Willow Creek all day. I was going theater to theater, just like right down the row inside Willow Creek. It was pretty great. I know. I I did have an initial plan after my five at Willow Creek to catch the midnight show at the Uptown because they were playing Ex Machina. And I was going to join her. Yeah, and it kind of fell through for both of us. Yep. I, I was kind um, of That tired. would be a really rough one at midnight. I'll just let you both know that. <laughs> okay. So I went, we were both starving and we were both like, yeah, we're not going to make it. So mm-hmm. we each went home and I watched a movie at home. <laughs> yeah. Because I wasn't done yet. I was going to do another movie. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Home is just as valid. Now, listeners, I put this up on our Facebook page. This a Xanus in a holiday, it's a day to indulge and bask in and gorge upon movies, right? It's a Xanadu. Pleasure is actually our middle name. Mm-hmm. Cinema, movies, 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 holiday, right? Make it one, make it two, make it a whole day. But the day, the point of the Xanus in a holiday is just movies. Yep. Mm, mm, delicious movies. So uh, we decided what we would do is 
each of us would just list off the movies that we saw in order. So you'd kind of get an idea of what each of our schedule was. And then, then we would start talking about them more organically, right? Because right. it's just too confusing. Um, so I started the day at 10 a.m. with Race, which mm-hmm. is the movie about Jesse Owens going to the Berlin Olympics. I followed that up with Michael Moore's Where to Invade Next. And then I hop, skipped, and jumped down to the Regal Arbor Six, Great Hills, <laughs> to see Brooklyn, where I walked in like after the credit, right as their credits finished rolling. So if there was a pre-credit sequence, I did not see it. And I copped that right now. And then I ran back to Zoolander, <laughs> Zoolander 2. And from Zoolander 2, I had to literally, as the credits rolled, run into the witch and then from the witch, I had like 20 minutes before I saw my 1030 movie, which was Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. I'm sorry. It's just a reflex. I have to do it. Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about that one with y'all. Oh, my right. God. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What was your schedule, Melissa? I started out with Deadpool. Yeah. Ooh, and then. A great way to start a day. Oh, I know. That was a. That was a wake-up call. That was really good. And uh, from there, I went to, oh, goodness. I think I went to Room next. Either that or was Hail Caesar. No, Hail Caesar was second. And then I wound up in Room. For, you know, a light change of pace. In in a room watching Room, you know, as you do. And then I saw The Big Short and The Witch. I have finally seen The Witch. Oh my god, yes! Yes! I can't wait to talk to you about it! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Wendy is happy. Pat. Yes, yes! What did you see? I saw movies. Oh, you want to know specifics? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Um, It was only yesterday, and yet um, I started off by seeing The Race. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm looking at the list. I'm trying to still remember. I Then I saw Spectre, the James Bond one, which I hadn't seen before, but I found a, a cheap viewing. And then I went to the Riverview to see the uh, Oscar-nominated documentary short subjects, which are actually five movies there that I got to see all five of. And then... Um, I went and saw Deadpool again because I wanted to see it again on the big screen. And I, I spurged for IMAX to see the crazy on the Ooh, IMAX. Nice. And at the yeah. end of that, uh, the plans, I decided not to do the whole thing with Melissa at the same time. She was deciding to ditch me as well. And <laughs> at least it was a mutual I ditching. wanted and I wanted to go home and I decided I was going to do a double feature with Deadpool of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bravo. And it was a beautiful thing. Well matched. Yes. Bravo. And then Bravo. actually I popped in a documentary about World War II and because of the race. So there was yet All another right. movie that I watched. Yeah, I, yeah awesome. right? So one of the things I did do is I sort of started talking to people like when people joined me at later movies – it sort of became a natural thing of like, this would pair well with, like talking about a movie as if you're going to, and pairing it with another movie, you know, like you would uh, an hors d'oeuvre and oh, an aperitif. Like, oh, this movie would pair well with this. I feel like that'd be a good double feature. So I do have some recommended pairings for a couple of my movies. Oh, and as do I. Although when you said aperitif, I thought you said a pair of teeth, <laughs> which um, really led my mind to interesting places. So... <laughs> 
just wondering what pair is like the same pair, like both <laughs> raccoon teeth or like or one, <laughs> you know, otter tooth and a yak tooth. Or are they both incisors or oh, like sure. is one a canine? Yeah, or... Absolutely. Or is it like a pair of pants where it's really just you know the full set of teeth but you call it a pair oh so like a tetrant uh tetradont uh one of the those puffer fish they have like two teeth in front and two teeth on the bottom and they're kind of grown together maybe the gestures are making fabulous radio (laughs) you 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 certainly know things i do (laughs) Uh, yes all right so moving on what shall where shall we start ladies Hmm. How about the one we've all seen? Or we've seen... We've, we've seen there are two. three of them that we've three? seen, all, okay. all three of us. All right. Um, you know what? Let's start with Deadpool. 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 <laughs> Let's start with, uh, you know, 14-year-old boys. Yes. <laughs> I have an unashamed inner... I have an unashamed inner 14-year-old male person who loved that movie so much. <laughs> Did we all catch the pegging? It yes, made me so yes, happy. Yes, that it was very so impressive. Happy. Yes, there was, yes. dear listeners, pegging in Deadpool. Indeed. And, wow. Yeah. To celebrate International Women's Day. Yeah. Isn't that special? Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't, if maybe if you're, you know, a little bit not on the up and up, you might miss that's what's going on, but that's really what's going on. Oh, it's very clear. I mean, she adjusts the harness and everything. Oh, she does. Just, and I must say, close up in the IMAX. It's a big strap-on thing she's got. The harness. <laughs> you don't see the strap-on attachment, but the harness is very clear. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a remarkable movie in a lot of ways. First of all, best credit sequence ever. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Both ending Both and ending opening. And, and opening. Great yes. opening credit sequence. <laughs> oh. Some tool. Douchebag. <laughs> yes. The real heroes of the story. <laughs> Starring a hot chick. <laughs> the comic <laughs> relief. <laughs> um, and there was some dig at himself for Green Lantern in there, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah. And there's another one in there where, not in the credits, but halfway through, he's talking about how looks are super important and uh, how, what do you think? Ryan Reynolds got where he is by his acting skills? <laughs> yes. And Very. well, and in the credit sequence, it had the sexiest man alive people cover with him yes. on it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very Ugh. fourth wall breaking. Sixteenth wall breaking. Is it, that's right. <laughs> it's like sixteen walls. Yeah. Like there's in and in and in meta on meta on meta. Like it's it's snarkception. Mm-hmm. It like, is the levels of snark that you have to go through to get to the center of the snark. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And and for th- this is the part that impressed me the most for a movie that is very unabashedly, you know, because it's Deadpool just going for the gold in terms of just being irreverent and offensive and what have you. I was super invested in that romantic relationship. How about you guys? Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> she was so terrific. She was awesome. Now, that's how you do a fe- an awesome female character. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. in one of these movies, you know. Well, and she was, you know. I mean, she didn't avoid all the pitfalls. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I wish somebody would listen. Like, is she just a romantic interest? Yeah. She doesn't really have any other role in that film. She doesn't kick any ass, right? Mm-hmm. But she's smart. She's capable. She's snarky. You like her. Like, you can write these characters in a way that there's there's still people. Oh, yeah. Like, just could you write them as people? 
please. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved her. Well, of course I loved her because oh, it's <laughs> Marina Backer. It is. Yeah, I love her so much. She's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to see her. Yeah. Well, there were a bunch of really uh, fascinating female actors in this movie. I mean, you've, you've got um, the black woman who's... Leslie Uggams. <sighs> yes, yes. I thought at first it was Nichelle Nichols. I had oh, it no. like, wait, no, that's not, no, I'm getting my cheekbones mixed up. But I loved her character. I loved their relationship. Hot damn. Mm-hmm. That was great. And their Ikea conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so he wonderful. Lets the bl- he lets the blind woman try to put a shelf together, just like, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> nope. You, you know what? You're handicapable. You do it. <laughs> it was, I mean, in a weird sort of way, it was one of the more empowering things of like, no, just treat her like a person. Like mm-hmm. you treat everybody, you treat everybody like an asshole. So yeah, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's equal opportunity. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and and also uh, Gina Carano. Uh, she's not a great actress, but I like seeing her in movies because at least she's a different body type. Of yes, yes. For you know, it gets like ninety percent of women who get cast in films. You know, uh, Gina Carano. She showed up in Fast and Furious Six, and she's showing up more and more as people are going, "Hey, these UFC fighters are." <laughs> Well, can she's be, beautiful. Be beautiful. Yeah. And, and she's beautiful, but she, and she's strong looking. Yeah, her, she, her stunts are great. Yeah, she looks like she's the one doing them. Now, I don't know how many stunts she did and how many stunts she was not allowed to do, but you believe that she's the one doing them. Mm-hmm. As opposed to so many superheroes were like, yeah, you didn't do any of that. But I mean, <laughs> finally, like, can we have somebody who's supposed to be super strong actually look super muscular right yes right because you don't deliver those blows without thighs that are bigger than most people's waist mm-hmm. right and her thighs were amazing <laughs> and i do believe she could punch the shit out of colossus <laughs> yeah I, like, I also love that one like brief like and he's like oh my god i'm so sorry your boob is hanging out she's like oh that's so sweet thank you for giving me the opportunity to punch you <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yes, let's turn it on. It's just a boob. (laughs) Also, I liked that she was like, I got to say, I do like the new take on these classic um, super heroine specifically costumes Mm -hmm. is like, thank you for making them actually functional because Ah, it popped up on my feed, the the poster for X-Men Apocalypse and Psylocke's costume in that poster with the weird ribbons across her hips. I'm like, how exactly are those supposed to move? <laughs> CGI I, is how they're I supposed mean, to move. If they're not spandex, they are just going to keep her from being able to do any kind of like moving or kicking. Mm-hmm. If they are spandex, how exactly are they supposed to stay in place? What exactly is their functionality? That's what toupee tape is for. But why would you even bother? Like, oh, I'm going to go into a fight. I better make sure I have random ribbons around my thighs. Right? Because they they do think, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like um, a Tai Chi pressure point or something. Like, it makes her more powerful if there's pressure applied there. There, I did the work for you. Somebody give me a royalty. <laughs> maybe they're just tattooed on. That'd be okay. I'd be okay if they were tattoos. I'll, that would be okay. Maybe they're her lucky ribbons. 
you could tie them someplace more sensible. <laughs> Nothing stays on the fat part of your thigh no. like what? that. No, it doesn't. Nothing stays there. No. All right. We should keep it moving because yes. we got a lot of movies here. We got we got off topic. But Deadpool, yes. Mm-hmm. And I love their reconciliation at the end. I'm sorry. It's not a spoiler, people. Pff, whatever. It's a love story. And- it is. It really is a great, it really was a great Valentine's movie. It's like a Valentine's movie for those of us who don't really want a goddamn another Nicholas Sparks movie. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, what we should do, uh, going from Deadpool, um, since Pat picked out Ferris Bueller's Day Off to pair with Deadpool, we should talk about that very briefly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I get home and I was, t- I was looking at all the different movies I was thinking of and pairing up and I went, no, it needs to be a double feature with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because if you haven't seen Deadpool, you might not understand, but it really does have that Ferris Bueller talking to the camera and the bathrobe scene at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> yeah, dear listeners, yes, there is a credit cookie because it's Marvel. But it's not. Well, it, it is. is. Well, but it didn't have the classic Marvel intro. No, but so? with the flipping pages, yeah. it's a Marvel character. Is this? But is this the X Men First Class? Universe is this Fox? I think this it might- is. No, this one's a Fox picture. Yeah. Well, it's they- not an it's not an MCU, and it's MCU that does the credit cookies. It's still a Marvel movie. It is still a Marvel movie because it's a Marvel property. But and- have there been credit cookies on the X Men movies? Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't remember now. What was the credit? <laughs> what was the credit cookie on Days of Future? Oh, I remember now. Okay. <laughs> so Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm presuming everybody in the world has seen it. Probably. Probably. Dear listener, um, if you have missed out on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's worth a watch. It's very funny. It's kind of legendary. You know, it's one of those cultural touch points where I don't know if you might uh, connect with it or not, but it meant a lot to a certain generation and there are references to it everywhere nowadays. It it really is. It's, I was watching the movie last night and going, okay, and the scene's riffed in this movie and the scene's riffed in this movie. And Mm -hmm. it's just interesting that way. And I hadn't seen it like 15 years. I'm like, yep, it's time. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, good choice. For us, it touches nostalgia. I think for a first time viewer, you have, you really have to understand it's a high school movie. Oh yeah. So you, you have to, you have to tune into that particular mindset because if you're like, well, this is supposed to be a brilliant movie. Mm, it's, but it is still a high school movie. Yeah. And that's important. But it's a particularly good one. Oh, it's a, I yeah. think it's one of the best of the genre. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Wendy, you're the only one who saw Where to Invade Next. Yes. What is what is that one about? Okay, so this is Michael Moore's latest. Oh, yeah. Okay. His documentary about, you know, America keeps invading countries basically to get oil. We should invade countries to make our country better. Like, how can we improve our country? So let's go invade countries and see what they've got so we can rip it off and bring it home. And so the central conceit is that uh, he's going to these countries to invade them to take things back to America. So at the end of every sort of segment, he plants the American flag and says, okay, I've now conquered you. And uh, I'm going to take this back to America now. Mm -hmm. This great idea you had. It's Michael Moore. So you do need to accept a certain framing of theatricality. Oh, yes. This is not a pure documentary. It definitely has a bias and a point of view going in. Um, Wait, I think what? it's I know. Um, I <laughs> my, think it's also Michael one of Moore. his f- funnier ones. 
Um, uh, he's starting to look his age, like, and oh, he's, he's walking. He's been starting to look his age ten years ago, but yeah, but he's yeah. walking a little more stiffly too. Like you're like, oh, Michael, are are you doing okay, buddy? But uh, there is nothing in this movie that the informed hardcore liberal isn't aware of like there was nothing they brought up that i was like holy shit i didn't realize that about other countries he mostly stuck to um european nations yeah so let me give you a brief rundown he starts in france with uh basically nutrition and the school no wait i apologize i apologize i got mixed up there because i ordered for lunch because the alamo serves food and they have um themed pairings each month and so for this month, they did the Where to Invade Next theme pairing, which is you can order the French school lunch, nice, which was baby arugula with a lemon vinaigrette, some brie and Emmentaler cheeses with pear slices and some baguette. Wow. Yeah. It was, by the way, absolutely fucking delicious. <laughs> so I was eating the French school lunch while watching this movie. So they start in Italy where they bring up the fact that in Italy you have six weeks paid vacation and um, extensive state holidays and things like if you get married, they give you 15 paid days. That's three weeks of vacation for you to go on your honeymoon. Yep. In addition to the seven weeks you already got. Jeez. And going, Yeah. Like, cause they're, they're like, you're getting married. Of course, go on your honeymoon. Go, go, go. You should enjoy this time. You will come back happier. <laughs> so they started in Italy with vacation and how fucked up our vacation is. And Michael pointed out to them that there is no law in the United States that says you have to give vacation. There is no federal law. Yeah. And they, the looks on their faces, that is probably one of the more enjoyable things throughout the movie is when Michael tells them what it's like in America, mm -hmm. they're like... Uh, what? Because I think the, it was the Italians who are like, everybody dreams of coming to America. And then he said, really? Because we don't get any kind of guaranteed paid vacation. And the looks on their faces were, <laughs> I think one of them was like, um, I'm, maybe I'm reconsidering that now. <laughs> so then we go to France where we talk about food. Mm -hmm. And what I really loved here, something I, I mean, it really makes you wish for your child that somehow you'd been born in Europe. The, what they do in these French in these French schools is school. First off, lunch is an hour. They are served nice. lunch by the cafeteria ladies. They are given ch like real plates, like china, and real silverware and glass glasses, and they are expected to serve each other and eat their food. And they, I mean these these meals are mm -hmm. phenomenal. Like they have a, di a chef for the school who comes up with a monthly menu in coordination with the board about certain things. And, and they get at least one cheese a day, mm -hmm. at least one, more often two. And, <laughs> and so they are taught from a very young age that first off, a meal should take a while and table manners and how to serve each other and how to use a glass and a plate without breaking them. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, even when you know it, it's just so eye-opening to see it. Um, it talked about sex ed also. Uh, it went into Finland with education stuff like about the sex ed. It went to Slovenia where they talked about free college. Mm. That was one of the funny spots because um, he was talking to somebody in Slovenia, I think a university president. And he's, and he was like, do you even use the alphabet? Like, what is, eh. and cause there are American students are going to Slovenia and getting free college. They don't have to do anything. 
<laughs> wow. They just show up and live there and they get free college. Huh. So they talked, he talked to one student who had started going to school in America and she couldn't continue to afford it. And then she found out about Slovenia and, and he even said, like, did you even know where Slovenia was before you came here? And he, she's like, nope, <laughs> you don't speak Slovenian? Nope. But Slovenia <laughs> is offering a, a lot of classes in English because it's a universal language right now and other reasons. So he brings up, so he brings up to them that one of the reasons why like people can just come to Slovenia and take free classes is if you make them pay, it opens the idea, the door to the idea that you should have to pay for education and the Slovenians, especially the students will have none of it. Hmm. Like the minute you start talking about anybody paying, that is a just that one inch that becomes a yard. And then they're like, fuck you. No, no, nobody pays. Nobody pays. Period. Mm -hmm. And it's brilliant. So that was the funny part because he was talking about like, do you even have the same language, like the same alphabet? And this guy is talking to us like, well, yeah, I mean, we, we have 25 letters. He's like, 25? We have 26. What did you cut out? The W. Did you take that out before or after Bush was president? <laughs> that was nice. what I'm like, okay, I got to laugh out. I wrote yeah. that one down. That's good. Uh, we go to Germany where it talks about uh, working conditions. They work 36 hours and are only paid for, and are paid for 40 and how strong the union is. And any German citizen can go to their doctor and get a prescription for a three week stay at a spa if they're feeling stressed. Nice. And take their children with them. <laughs> because it would be stressful to try to figure out somebody to watch the kids. Well, mm -hmm. it would be. I mean, it would right? be. It would be. <laughs> By law, half of any board has to be made up of people who work in that company. Workers. Ooh, nice. I like yeah. it. Yeah. By law, they cannot contact you after hours. By law. Wow. And then it went in and he did bring up like, but, you know, because he was in Nuremberg, he's like, but also something else they do is they acknowledge in their classrooms and acknowledge daily their past and the mistakes that they made and that they need to make reparation and not yeah. to forget it. And they show and he shows like all the different ways, like embedded into the street. This is a Jew. This is the name of the Jewish person who used to live here. Mm -hmm. And there's a new art project up of of different signs that had been up during the period of Nazi Germany. They have put them back up to remind people about how this is what public space looked like then. And so, of course, Michael Moore is like, hey, I wonder what that looked like in America. Like, no, no Negroes, no dogs. <laughs> you know, slave auction on Wall Street today at noon. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for bringing it back home. He does a really good job. He goes to Portugal where he talks about the war on drugs, where when they made drugs legal, drug use went down. Yep. Does that even make sense? <laughs> but it's true. Like when they made, when they, no matter what drug, when it stopped being illegal, like you could do whatever drug you wanted right there in front of a cop and they're not going to do anything to you. Yeah, they changed it into a public health issue. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing so, is, you can then get help for it. Right. Yeah. Without the shame. 
And well, then they and some. this was a nice segue into where into Norway with the prison system. In Portugal, prisoners vote first. You do not lose your right to vote in prison and you do not lose it for life like you do in 35 of American states. Mm-hmm. If you've gone to prison in 35 American states, you will never get to vote again. It's another Jim Crow law. Mm-hmm. It yes. really is. And then he also brings up the fact that, of course, a lot of American companies use prison labor for cheap labor. So in effect, basically, they've gotten back to having slaves. Right. Norway, it talked about the prison system. <laughs> we really need to move along. We have got yeah. a lot of movies. Well, I'm just, I know, I'm trying to, like, We've been he got recording for 40 minutes. Okay, I'll be quicker. <laughs> Norway was the prison system. Tunisia was abortion and women's health. And then Iceland was about women's rights. Okay. And he went through all of those. Um, and really, really tied them all together. They flowed really well. They were, it was funny, and it was also depressing and sad at the same time. So that was Where to Invade Next. I do highly recommend it, like, because you need to see it. You need to see what this looks like in other countries. And you need to see the way they look at Michael Moore like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) When he talks about, honest to God, how shitty we live here. Yeah. We really do live goddamned awful lives. Anyway, so that was Where to Invade Next. Where shall we go next, Melissa? What movie mm. shall we invade next? I think we mm. should do another one uh, where we've all seen it. Um, we should hit Spectre briefly. Oh, let's okay. do Spectre. Yeah, let's do Spectre. Because, uh, dear listeners, uh, Wendy and I went into Spectre during our Xanus in a Holiday trial run back in November. Because you saw it, but I didn't. Oh, my God. But you've seen it now, right? You've seen Spectre, right? I have, yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. So we've all seen Spectre. Yes, we have all seen okay. Spectre. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I sorry, I wasn't sure who you yesterday. were talking to, Melissa. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was, point- I was pointing at the microphone. I'm, su- I'm surprised you couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Gestures! Radio! Yay! Yay! <laughs> all right. So, Pat, what did you think of Spectre? I wanted to watch a good James Bond movie at the end of it. Oh, yes. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, I was briefly talking to Tim about it today, my husband, and he said, uh, and it was the same thing. It's like, it was kind of like watching Thunderball. It was just kind of there. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. present, mm-hmm. but it was kind of boring. They did some really stupid things with Blofeld. Yeah. And they changed. Oh, cr- he's his foster brother now. Yeah, some sort of weird foster. Yeah. What the hell? Why do they do that? Just make Blofeld. A bad guy. Yeah. You don't have to have some crazy cuckoo, cuckoo. No, nope. like, everything yeah. needs to connect. And Blofeld has been behind everything that's happened to him in his life. Yeah. What everything. The f- what the actual fuck? It was kind of boring. I mean, I'd heard all the things of it's meh, it's boring, it's whatever. So my expectations were really low. <laughs> and even so, I'm sitting there not quite counting ceiling tiles. But I'm like, this is really boring. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, he's supposed to be in love with the daughter now. Why? Wait, he's walking away. What? No, this can't possibly be happening. This is boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, not like the, it's kind of sad. It's not like the daughter character was, you know, awful. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing wrong with it, but there's nothing really right about it either. Exactly. I, I like the opening scene. Now that I've sat on it for a while and kind of stewed over it, the, the things that still stand out se- several months later are, I like the opening sequence. Yeah, opening sequence in Mexico City was awesome. Yeah, that was very well done. And I like the big explosion. Because the, I'm me. The explosion was good. <laughs> the But there's so many that you're like, wait, what? But they, there's some little itty bitty scenes that were good. 
but they True. stood out as good. Yeah. Like, you know, Q getting into and out of a situation where he's not clueless. Yeah. He's he's kind of a little clueless and he's like, oh, wait a minute, that's a bad guy. How am I? And does something little, small little things and lives. Yeah. And gets away. Like, great. It was a little thing and that made more sense. And then you have these well, other big things. That's <laughs> the kind of spy movie I kind of want to see more of. Right. Going back more to French Connection. Going back more... To the original vibe of Jason Bourne of like, I don't need big explosions and huge fights. I would like to just see some flat up espionage. And I know that's not really the Bond story, but when they do it, like I loved the opening sequence of Casino Royale because you got him observing the guy and like, don't touch your earbud. Okay, should I have been made? Like it had all of it in there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? Yes. I feel like, okay. <laughs> no, I and- can't see your faces. <laughs> yeah, Spectre was, again, it's just, it was dull. There yeah. was things about, like, didn't seem to make any sense. I like the fight on the train. Yeah. Um, at one point in time, I'm like, wait a minute, are they now fighting back towards where they were? Nope, they keep fighting in one direction. There's nobody on this train. Yeah. Nobody's hit the emergency button. There's nobody freaked out. No, no, yeah, well, they freak out and then they're gone. Yeah. It's like, eep, something's happening and they run out, but then nobody decides to run back. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes in and says, hey, conductor, do something. Mm-hmm. Hits the emergency brake. Anything of, there's something shit going down. Let's figure this out. There's no security guard running back. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, and you're supposed to believe Blondie girl uh, is like capable, like <laughs> quote a quote strong female character, and yet... She just keeps not doing anything. She's just kind of bland, I thought. Yeah. As yeah. a character. And yeah. honestly, I don't know if I've seen the actress in anything else, but it also could be the fact that I didn't find her particularly memorable even while I was watching the movie. Right. I don't... Yeah. She didn't have much of a screen presence. No. And you know, she's supposed to be a doctor, and mm-hmm. she's supposed to know how to use the guns. She hates them, but knows how to use them. Like, okay, Quigley. But... Uh, eh. Yeah. Yeah. She also, I don't buy somebody that accomplished at that young of an age. And she could read as like even uh, early 30s, which I'm fine with. Like, I think I buy her as like even early 30s. I don't buy you in charge, like a high up doctor at an exclusive clinic in your early 30s as a woman. I don't. No. And also, I want Monica Bellucci. Yeah. Yeah, why didn't they keep her? Yeah. I, I he, want to see Bond paired off with a more an older, more experienced woman who's like, fuck yeah, I know how to do shit. I'm 40 years old, people. I know how things get done. <laughs> why couldn't you let keep her in for the rest of the movie? Yeah. She was still connected. Why couldn't she be like half of the key to the L'American and or something? Or just have her be the Bond girl throughout. Just yeah, because yeah, I know. when you open with Monica Bellucci, you know when you start with the Bond girls with Monica Bellucci, everything is downhill from there. Everything's downhill from Monica. I don't, and yeah. I think apparently, of course, online, like, oh, she's too old. It's like, yeah, because you've tapped anything half as hot as that, no matter what age. <laughs> In their dreams, sit down and shut up. <laughs> hot is hot. It was True. just. Dull. I just yeah. wanted that was one of the things of when I was at home like what movie am I going to end with I did take out several different Bond movies of maybe I should do this before finally deciding on Ferris Bueller 
because it was that I wanted to watch a good Bond movie. Right. Yeah. Because it wasn't. It wasn't horrid. It was dull. Mm-hmm. They made Christoph Waltz boring. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was doing the same thing. Like, yeah. it's turning into the Christoph Waltz shtick. And I, and I know he's better than that, which I either blame the writer or the director because I'm quite sure Christoph Waltz is like, would you like something? I believe this about him. I just want to believe this about him. Like, would you like something else? No, do the thing that you do. Really? Okay. I mean, we've seen Christoph Waltz do other things. I mean, I've seen Django Unchained. He's so great in Django Unchained. (laughs) I want to see him do a straight up flat comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to see him in like a Zoolander. Something like no, no two, like no argument about it. That's a flat out comedy. Yes. Right. Just what I want to see him show what he's got the way George Clooney has. Right. George Clooney is a great leading man, but he's so goddamn funny. He does slack jawed yokel better than anybody. (laughs) (laughs) He really does. Oh, I forgot to say my uh, my pairing for where to invade next is the big short. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Those two go together. Okay. I have those a di- two go together in a very definite way. I have a different pairing for the big short, but we'll get to that when we get well, to the big I, short. I'm not saying that the pairing for the big short is where to invade next. Mm, I'm saying if you okay. watch where to invade next, your next, for me, like, mm, if you enjoyed this and you would like to continue in this same sort of mm, flavor category, try the big short where you know it what? is both funny and infuriating. We should just wa- talk about the big short. That yes. was a segue. I saw it happen. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> Unintentional yet brilliant. That's me in a Indeed. nutshell. Indeed. Oh, dear listeners, I love the big short. Oh, my God. I really I love it. I loved your Facebook post. For a brief, shining moment, I understood the financial collapse. Yes. <laughs> I felt the same way. Like, wait, don't ask me tomorrow. I won't remember. But right now, in this instant, I get it. This is what happened. Of all the movies I watched yesterday, I really liked all of them, really. But um, the one that came back to me when I like woke up in the middle of the night last night was The Big Short. And I'm just sitting there thinking about it. But I mean, that's not terribly surprising since I, this is the movie that hits me where I live. Like, well, lived. Literally. Literally lived. Yes. Moi aussi, Yeah, you too. You too. So, uh, yeah, The Big Short is an amazing movie. Um, they're, the only beef I have with it is there are some weird things they do in editing, like cutting in the middle of a word every once in a while, which bugs the shit out of me. It's like, you watched YouTube and you don't understand that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, get what, I get what you're talking about, but it didn't bother me that way because they were going for something. They wanted something very dynamic because yeah. obviously it's not a subject matter that lends itself to entertainment. Right. And, and, and they did a brilliant job of making the subject matter accessible and entertaining. And I love... You know, once I got used to it, I really loved the way that the movie is set up. Like it's the the film stock and the way they shoot scenes with the characters. It's kind of grimy. It's kind of looks like it's got that kind of documentary feel to it. And yet 
It's highly stylized in the way that there's fourth wall breaking, there's all sorts of strange stuff that they do where it's like, okay, we know all this financial stuff is really boring. So here's Margot Robbie in a bathtub with drinking champagne and she will explain it to you. And suddenly there's Margot Robbie <laughs> in a bathtub with yes. a glass of champagne explaining yes. <laughs> how, how CDOs are assembled or something like that. And it makes sense. <laughs> and half of the fun is... It really is Margot Robbie in a bath that you're like, okay, that's sort of hilarious. Yeah, for no reason whatsoever, except just a break from the movie. Here is your two-minute briefer on um, how these loans were structured and why, you know, why it's super dangerous. Yeah. You get, uh, oh, uh, blank, blanking. I'm sorry. I'm Anthony Bourdain. No, no. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> hey, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the actor's name. Oh, God, Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Thank you, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Ryan Gosling. I'm sorry. I get aphasic about names. So you get Ryan Gosling as your sort of pseudo narrator. And it really is almost like you and Ryan Gosling. Like the vibe of the whole movie is like if the two of you went out to shoot the shit and get drunk one night and he was telling you what happened. Mm-hmm. He's, mm-hmm. And he's like, wait, I need to tell you about this. Wait, you don't know what CDOs are? Okay, hold the phone. We need to pause for a second. I need to explain this. You know, while I explain this, look at this picture of Margot Robbie. Okay. And I love the Steve Carroll character so much. I love that moment when Ryan Gosling's character is like, no, he really did do that. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, the, or the part where they, they break fourth wall and go, okay, this part actually isn't true. We didn't actually find this perspective out in the lobby. And it happened like this. But back to the movie. <laughs> yeah. like yeah. So they construct a narrative and then comment on the narrative. Yeah. And it makes it more engaging and it allows for them to be furious in a different way but because that's really what comes out is so much disgust yeah but the the great thing about the movie is and i mean even though the trailer tries to sell it as a comedy the trailer has a really hard time selling it what it is because really how do you sell this movie without just sitting down and watching it um it's a really biting comedy yeah it is funny it is bitter as fuck, but it's funny. Yeah. Steve Carroll's character, what makes it funny is you've got autistic Christian Bale. Yep. Who's like, okay, this is what they're doing and that's not going to work. So I'm going to, I'm going to bet against them. And then because he does that, he opens up a whole new vein of like a new market share that they're like, hey, we can make money on this. Ha ha ha. And Christian Bale is like, it should happen in three years. It doesn't. It takes more like five or six. And he's sitting there confused like, why isn't it happening yet? Surely people have noticed by now. Surely somebody wants to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And then you get the Steve Carroll character who's so angry all the time. And he's just like, there's no fucking way that anybody, this is stupid. This is, there's nothing smart about this. This is going to bite you in the ass eventually. Why would you think this was a, nobody would ever do this, right? Let's investigate because this can't really be, oh my, you're fucking kidding me. This is happening. Yeah. And, and, or, you know, the, the, the character is going, the bubble should have burst by now. Why aren't these loans being downgraded, you know, taken down from the AAA rating? And it's like, oh no, the system is super corrupt. (laughs) And that's why we can't game the system is because it's super corrupt. They won't play ball with us. Yeah. So the very regulatory regulatory agency that is supposed to be overlooking this. Mm-hmm. Overseeing, Can't Wendy. do anything about it because, <laughs> okay. well, then they'll just go to somebody else and we want their business. 
Mm-hmm. Just saying, Freudian slip, they're supposed to be overseeing, not overlooking. They were overlooking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Very Freudian. It's, it's a really enjoyable movie about a subject matter that, number one, is super confusing, and number two, super fear- infuriating. It's a movie that, this is why it should win Best Picture. It's a movie that should not work, but it does. Oh, and the the performances are great. Oh, yeah, I mean, Christian Bale is fantastic. Cr- Steve Christian Carell. Bale is, wow. he's clearly swinging for an Oscar and he wasn't yeah. even a nominated, which cracks my shit up. But Steve Carell, mm-hmm. he delivers the goods. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And it's a great cast throughout. Yes. And, and you know, Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt just is have, really funny. Oh, God. And and I love that he's, you know, there, are, there are several characters that are the voice of conscience and uh, Brad Pitt is one of them. And I love the moment when he goes... Stop it, guys. Don't dance. This is what's going to happen to everybody else in this economy once this thing bursts. You are going to get rich, and that is what you want to do, but this is what's going to happen. So don't you dare dance. Yeah, you're That's you're going to get rich, and thou- millions of people are going to lose their homes. Yeah. Think, yeah. Of, think about what this means in real terms. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's one of the great scenes is when they go to, when Steve Carroll's team goes to investigate, like some of the, on, on the ground, and they go out to these brand new communities that are mostly empty. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what the actual hell is happening? And it's, they're right, they're looking at the bleeding edge of the market crash, of the housing crash. Yeah. It was, oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's going to be in a really fucking important movie in about 10 years. The way I... I've been describing this movie is like if you took Wolf of Wall Street, which I think is a perfect pairing with this film. Yes, I um, agree. If you take yeah. if you take Wolf of Wall Street and you take out the gleeful anarchy and you put in a ticking time bomb surrounded by people who are waiting for it to go off, that's about where you have the big short. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want it to go off, but they do. They do. And they keep going, does anybody else see the bomb? Hello? Nobody else sees the bomb. Okay, I need it to go off just to prove I'm not crazy. All right, what's next? Pat, did you want to talk about the documentary shorts? Actually, yes. this kind of is a nice segue to... Yeah, I was, I was thinking, let's let's get a dose of reality for Pat. <laughs> dose of reality. All righty. <laughs> so um, I decided to go, and I'd never done it before. I'd seen the live action uh, fiction, and I've done the shorts, and I've done the animated shorts. But I was like, you know what? I really want to see the documentaries. Mm-hmm. And I went to it, and they were all pretty quality. There's two that are exceptional. Is and one of them Amy? No. Damn it, because that's what I put in for my Oscar pool. Shit. Are you talking about the feature Oh, no, that's length? a full-length doc. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. I'm These still the safe. I'm still safe. My Oscar chances are still yeah, up there. I, okay. I don't know about those. All right. The uh, listing of the movie, I'll just list them all off, and then I'll give the descriptions. Let's see. There's Body Team 12, which is about uh, uh, the, well, 12 if they didn't say how many, uh, teams in uh Nigeria doing Ebola body pickup. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, then there's The Girl in the River, which is about a Pakistan honor killing, uh, where, <sighs> a, oh, oh, mm. this one makes me want to have capital punishment again, uh, like really badly, because she's killed by her, or not killed, she's shot, they think she's dead, by her father and uncle, she lives. And what happens after? So that's the girl in the river. 
And then you have Chow behind the lines at C-H-A-U. And that is actually a feel-good one about, um, well, sort of feel-good. It's about uh, a child who uh, was poisoned... Well, his while he was while his mother was pregnant, she was poisoned by leftover um, Agent Orange that's in Vietnam, and uh, he grew up in a, a community of basically foster children, all who have Agent Orange poisoning, and it's kind of like Oof. children of thalidomide in the whole yeah. Um, missing limbs and arms and some serious mental issues for some of them and it's about this particular boy who grows up and um is does learns to be an artist in vietnam and wants to live on his own so it's more of a feel good just the whole there was this thing you know in the talk about agent orange what it was Mm -hmm. but really it's about this kid and what he has to overcome but and there's some things about the political ramifications but and that they're finally and i say they (laughs) as in Vietnam, not the United States, are finally going through and trying to clean up a lot of the patches of Agent Orange. Because it's still out there and there are still children being born with Agent Orange poisoning. Turns out it's really bad for you for a developing fetus. Oh, yeah. Oh, gee, like so really? many things. <laughs> like so many things. But it's also out there and very active and it's happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that was that was an interesting one. Let's see. Then there's The Last Day of Freedom, which is about – it's a documentary – Obviously, it's a documentary, duh, Pat. Anyways, uh, about a surviving brother of um, who's his a man whose brother was uh, put to death, uh, capital punishment. Okay, um, and it's talking about how the brother's last day of freedom and before he was arrested, and then how capital punishment affects not just the person who was killed, right, but the person, the family, the surviving family, um, and some of the problems with that. And then the last one is uh, Claude Lanzmann, The Specters of Shoah, uh, or The Specters of the Shoah, which um, is the ni- the Shoah was the 1985, I believe, documentary about the Holocaust called The Shoah. Mm-hmm. And this is a documentary about Claude Lanzmann, the man who made it. Oh, interesting. So. Okay. Those were the five of them. And... Body Team 12 is the one I'm going to talk probably the least about because, I mean, they showed it first, but that doesn't, that's not what I'm talking about least. It's that it was okay. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a decent documentary. It's also the shortest. I think it was like 15 minutes long. Okay. Or 12 minutes, something like that. And it was mostly about, you see the people gowning up and going in and taking these bodies out, talking about the families and people who don't want to give up their loved ones because they're not allowed to bury them mm-hmm. they have all these bodies in there you know they talk about how it started off with just a couple hundred and then it turned into thousands of people right and um you know that gowning up and dousing everyone with bleach and dousing houses basically in a bleach solution because they're trying to get rid of every last little organism when they're taking these people out and you know they even showed I mean, they didn't show the body of most people they showed some footage, but mostly it was you'd see people in the body bags. Mm-hmm. And um, at one point in time, you're like, what's going on? Why are they carrying this? Just It's a very odd situation. And you're like, oh, it's an 18-month-old in the bag. That's why it's being carried so awkwardly. Oh. Oh. And, oh. Oh. It, yeah. You didn't see the child. They showed you adults, but they didn't show you children, which I appreciate. 
That's good. Yes. Just you appreciate. That's good. That's good. But you know how it's, it could be anywhere. It just happened to be there and, you know, trying to get people to let the body teams come in. Mm -hmm. And they didn't say of how many, but they were, this was body team 12 and showing them, you know, gown up with like three layers of plastic gloves and literally like packing tape Mm -hmm. in between all the layers so that there's no ability that the gloves will show skin because actually that's the biggest problem is getting any of the germs on your skin that can then get spread around. And again, it was a good documentary. I don't think it's a great documentary. Um, It didn't stick with me that long. It's not one of the ones I was thinking about later. Uh, Let's see. The Girl in the River was excellent. Absolutely phenomenal. One of the best documentaries I've seen. It was about a half hour long, I think. And it's about the girl who was shot in the head Mm -hmm. and tied, evidently put into a bag and dumped into the river, Uh. which is what happens. Then the girls just disappear and nobody does anything. But she was not killed. Um, She managed to flinch just at the right time and it grazed her temple and um, basically has this huge uh, gash um, from her eye and temple all the way down through her face and chin. This huge gash because it just went slicing down and managed to get out of the river find her way up to the road, down the road into a gas station to get help. And they get, they call the police. And I must say one thing that's really nice about this particular story is the detective. I don't know what the, the, their official things. I could be very wrong on detective sergeant, whatever, but one of the people who's heading up that is a Muslim. He's a Pakistani. And he's like, I do not believe the Quran allows honor killing. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason she was, uh, why this was an honor killing was um, she's a, she was like, I think 16, 17. And she had been in contact with this boy that they were going to get married. Mm -hmm. And she had, uh, it's kind of sweet because they're talking about this and how, you know, they'd been talking on the phone a lot and quote, I'd even met him once or twice. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, so she'd met him and they were talking on the phone and they were getting really excited. And then her father's brother, I believe, is like, you know, I don't think she should marry him, this this kid, because he's from a poorer family and we don't want to have a poorer thing. Let's do a more rich. Let's try to have a better connection than this. And um, well, who do you think? Well, I think it should be one of my buddies. Mm. And she, so she finds out that she's not going to be marrying, and I can't remember his name, but not going to be marrying the boy she wants to marry, but she's supposed to be marrying the friend of the brother of of her uncle. And she makes a phone call to her um, supposed fiance. And he's like, "Uh, yeah, come on over and we'll just get married this in the morning. So she basically sneaks out, goes directly over, or he picks her up. I can't remember, but anyways, they go so up. So to the boy that she likes. To yeah, the boy fiance. that she likes. And he loves and likes her too. And they get married with his family there. It's not like they're going nowhere. I mean, they're at her their place at his mother's house. Mm-hmm. And they get married. And they're very coy about it, but they get married, but don't have any conjugal rights or anything they're just they get married they have a little bit of celebration the father her father and uncle show up all you know 
not guns ablazing, but seriously, oh, rah, rah, I can't do this, won't do that. And uh, like, you need to come home. You're being very disrespectful. You need to come home and the husband, you need to come over and ask permission and get her and we'll do this right. And she's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And they, and finally it comes out that they say, okay, here, they take out a Quran. They put their hand on the Quran and say, we promise nothing will happen to her. We won't do anything to her. Oh my God. They lied on the Quran? Yeah. Jeez. They lied on the Quran of, we promise we won't do anything to her. And this is the truth of the matter. It is not about religion. It is about oppressing women. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm not there yet. <laughs> and so they're all like yeah 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 okay uh. they, like i said this just made me so mad i was shaking for the next several um so they they promised this they have her in a car which they thought she was like kind of weird because they lived not too far away and evidently they didn't really have a car but they had a car they take her they drive her to the riverbank shoot her in the head toss her in a bag and toss her in the river because she disobeyed because she disobeyed and then they have and they show some they to have pictures of what she looked like because um, of course the the none of the footage started until obviously after while she was in the hospital recovering right so but they you know like the doctor who was doing the surgery showed pictures that they'd taken of mm. just this gaping wound and of course she was in a dirty river and uh, she's got this nasty scar and on her face and other things and uh turns out her husband and and her are just super sweet. They just look so adorable. Aww. Um, and he's like, no, I'm here for you. I love you. I want you to there. I mean, honestly, yes, it's okay. I think way too young. But uh, if they were American, you could see these two going to prom together. Mm-hmm. They obviously Aww. really are sweet on each other. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, 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 this, this, this is important to us. And how that, that it was really sweet. And the mom... Uh, his mother, the, the kid's mother, is like, oh, no, no, I'm treating her like a daughter. She's in my family. We're there. Yes, we're not as rich as the other people are. But, you know, it's and the, it's not like either one of them are particularly rich by American standards. Mm-hmm. By American standards, you know, they are dirt poor. Yeah. You know, but by their standards, one's a much better st- dirt poor than the other one. <laughs> But Might maybe just poor and not dirt poor. And so the, the I guess the sergeant, the lieutenant, the whatever, the police officer, the detective in charge um, arrests the father and the uncle for committing this crime. And then you start talking to some of the other people that get involved, like the Neighborhood Association. <laughs> yeah, I love Melissa's look like, what? What? Well, it turns out to quote it- Wendy. What? what? <laughs> um, yeah. Basically, think of it as a small group of elders. Uh-huh. Um, but they're not necessarily el- they're not elderly. They're just in- like important businessmen. But they were all I don't know. They looked forties, maybe mm-hmm. not super old, not super young. <sighs> and they start pressuring her to forgive them. Now it turns out mm-hmm. because of the 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 weird happenstance. And oh, by the way, this this uh, I don't remember the name of the city, but it's a city of four million people. It's not tiny backwater hick type stuff. Right. Because of the situation of, since she lived, if she forgives them by just going to court and saying, I forgive you, then it's considered an internal family thing and they will go scot-free. I hate, I hate, I hate them so much. No punishment at all. Oh my God. The the level of just rage and shaking of... This, so then the community starts saying this. And since it's, they both live in this fairly small, you know, subsection of mm-hmm. the city that 
you know, the community is putting huge pressure of, you know, you need to forgive and then putting pressure on her husband and her husband's brother of, you know, you know, you don't do this, then we're not going to, we're going to not treat your entire family well. If yeah, she well, refuses. you're going to be in jail, motherfuckers. Uh, this is the community. Yeah, I know. The community mm-hmm. is pushing and pushing and pushing. And the, you know, it's like, you know, you need to forgive me. You need to forgive me. And the, and they have these totally unashamed, totally unashamed father and uncle in jail. Like, yeah, we did it. We should have. It's It was an honor thing. Our honor was ruined. We would have been ruined as a family if we would have let her run off and get married. It's not like run off and hook up for a while before getting married. She walked over and got married. But since it wasn't with permission, they will be ruined forever. Their other daughters could never get married. All this blah, 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 blah. So at the end, she ends up, um, oh, and the community elders, um, the day of her trial where she still was like, I'm not sure if I will. I'm not sure if I won't. She doesn't want to. She really, really, really doesn't want to. And she's got a lawyer who's like, okay, if you don't want to, but this is how it's going to work. This is how it's going to work. And the day of the trial, the community elders have just wonderfully done and given her a new lawyer and fired the other lawyer for her. And of course, the community lawyer starts doing all these motions without speaking to her about how she wants to forgive them. Jesus. So oh. they finally get her on into the room or up to be heard. And the judge basically says, and this is not, they won't allow a camera for any of this. So this is just all ha- told afterwards. But everyone says the same story of, you know, do you wish to forgive them? And all she has to do is say yes or no. She's not even allowed to say a sentence. It's like, yes. And no, oh, so done. And they go home. And then... What really gored me more than anything else, you know, she goes back to her husband and their family and the community is all happy. And then they have one final interview with the dad who is just a proud fucking peacock. That whole thing of we are now more respected than we were before. Every man around me is like, yes, you're basically you're the man. Look at you. Look what you did. Isn't your penis fantastic? Look what you did. And he's like, yes, my my daughters know what would happen to them. And this is, you know, my, my daughters would never do any of this. My granddaughters, my great granddaughters, my neighbors all look to me as this great person and they will never say anything against me because I am that awesome. Oh my God. Just level of rage and shaking watching Mm -hmm. this. And it was totally about, I am, I, I want power and and fear over women in my life. Mm -hmm. It was just scary. And Ugh. what I was surprised at was it was never mentioned that they would at least get punished for swearing on the Quran, even if it was theoretically an honor killing that was somehow okay. They still swore on the holy book that they weren't going to do it. And it was never brought up again. Ugh. I know. Okay, talk about something else. Okay, so the Rawr. next one. Uh, next one. Let's see. Oh, the Chow, the behind the lines, which I think I've said most everything about it. You know, he's it's it was sweet. You know, this it was you know handicapped kid does well mm-hmm. documentary. I mean, okay. that's okay. really you know feel good. It's a feel good handicapped kid does well. Okay, becomes an artist, gets a job. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Overcomes. Awesome. It's yeah. I think I'm done. So then they have the last day of freedom, which. At the beginning, Melissa's like, so do you see the animated or the other? I'm like, no, it's documentary. Is it animated? And I'm like, well, there is one that's animated because there is one that's animated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. The whole thing 
is basically a monologue mm-hmm. of this man uh, who's probably in his... Well, let's see. Uh, his brother served in Vietnam, I think, in like 68. So, okay. And he was about the same age. So that tells you, what, 70-ish? Right. That's Just saying right. about how old he is, because yeah. it's um, and it's the kind of animation that they you know videoed him and then did the line drawings over to just show rotoscope. Is that right? Yeah, kind of rotoscopy, but not as detailed. Right. Okay. So I mean, you know, some crag lines and mm-hmm. like moles on his face, just to show you. And so, I mean, it's very obvious what he looks like. I don't know if I could pick him out of a lineup, but it's very obvious what he looks like. Right. He's a older black man and talking about how uh, it was his brother. And uh, so often it's talking with him. But then they, when they say, you know, when we were a kid and what we were doing, it changes to actual animation of like little kids digging clams at the beach. Mm-hmm. So it's not pictures, it is just animation of this. And then he grew up and went off to uh, Vietnam, served two terms. Um, Evidently uh, was not mentally all there beforehand. I think he like, uh, I remember, (laughs) they kind of blend. I think he fell and like hit his head and so got a bit of a brain damage. And um, so when he decided to sign up to go to Vietnam, because his he had, I guess, two more brothers already in Vietnam. He couldn't pass the test. So the Marines gave him the answers and gave him the test again. Mm-hmm. So he could oh pass the test and go. God. Yeah, he couldn't pass their test. And I can't imagine their test is that tough. So and then he turned two terms, um, evidently got Purple Heart and um, came back really damaged. Mm-hmm. Now very obvious PTSD, but like cars would backfire and he would hide behind couches because the enemy was coming type right. things. At one point in time, evidently he like grabbed a child and ran down the street because he was trying to save that child from whatever was going on in his head. So, I mean, severely PTSD um, eventually ended up in a lot of drugs and alcohol in and out of treatment facilities, um, lived often on the street and eventually, um, uh, during a PTSD fake state, uh, uh, broke in or went to a woman's house and killed her in one of these crazy delusions that he had. And it hit the news. It was evidently a really big killing mm-hmm. of this you know, woman who was, okay, this middle-aged white woman who was strangled and killed and hit the news and it was there. And the brother who's doing the narration of this uh, finds something of the brothers uh, in the brother's stuff and is like holy crap what the hell is this oh my god it's hers and has a bit of a struggle of what do i do what do i do finally goes to the police and says i i'm pretty sure it's my brother who does it mm-hmm. who did this and and he's treated like a hero by the police and he's like no 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 you don't understand and tells them the whole thing about the brain injury and tours in vietnam and how he's been having these real real problems mm-hmm. and this is back in I think 80s is when mm. it went down. I think I remember that, if that's about the era. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so. It was still, you know, like 20 years after Vietnam. But I mean, it was so it's like this major thing. And, and the police were, of course, a lot of them also Vietnam era. People were like, yeah, we get it. Yeah, we get it. Don't worry about it. We just bring him in. And he's like, I know where the guy is. I know where my brother is. He's at my sister's. I want to come with you. Please let me come with you so that we can ha- you can bring him in without any issues at all what yeah. yeah and they're like okay 
And the reason it's called The Last Day of Freedom is because it's about this guy's last day of freedom. He gets to his sister's house and he's the brother is having a great time. He's making uh, sheet and pillow forts with his nephew and nieces. Oh. And they're giggling and they're having a great time with, you know, just goofing off with their uncle in tents, you know, sheet tents in the middle of the living room. And how great time he was. He's like, hey, let's go out and have pool. Let's go out and play pool. And he's like, okay, sure. Let's go out and play pool. So they go out, get, you know, to the edge. Police jump out, grab him. And the police were like, yeah, yeah, not a big deal. But it was an election year in California. And the California, the the district attorney's like, no, no, no. We're going to get him for the death penalty. And they weren't allowed. Uh, he didn't have a good lawyer. I mean, duh. Mm-hmm. And uh, did the the lawyer they had was, well, finds out later drunk during most of the trial (laughs) oh god i know didn't bring in uh any of his old vietnam buddies didn't Mm -hmm. bring in any evidence of all of the in-house treatment that he had been into all these things um and so he gets convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to death and can't and yeah it he actually does end up uh, being killed um, before he is uh, put to death by the state of California. He was uh, finally awarded his Purple Heart because they hadn't been actually given it to them. So there's this he talks about getting the Purple Heart award, but he was still had his hands chained to his waist mm-hmm. so he couldn't salute back. Mm hmm. And of course, they gave it to him. They saluted him. They immediately took it off and gave it to his brother because he can't keep it with him. Right. And he was led away, and um, but yeah, it was it was talking about the brothers and how nobody talks about him anymore, and how having a brother who has a you know have a family member who has a break and ends up killing somebody, the fact that they're dead, everyone treats the family different versus a family with a member who's still in jail, who's still alive. Huh. It's a different level of. I don't know. It's like it's like an ostracism in some ways, but it's also a we don't know how to talk to you about that because right. there's a plenty of people, and especially in the, in families of color, where somebody being in jail isn't as big of a deal. But right. even for murder, but the fact that they were killed, like nobody knows how to talk about it, and they don't really want to say anything. And how do you talk to your nieces and nephews about what's going on? And you know, he went there to be part of his brother. To, so that his brother wouldn't be, you know, surrounded by nobody, you know, nobody who wanted him there. And the fact that the narrator of this story uh, wasn't given a chair because the family of the victims got all the chairs mm-hmm. to watch the death and how he was really kind of ignored. It's like, yeah, that's really painful. Yeah. And how do you go about doing this and living and surviving? So, Yeah. It, it was very powerful. Really was powerful. Hmm. And then the last one, <laughs> uh, Claude Lanzman, Spectre of the Shoah, is about um, the man who made the 10-hour documentary, The Shoah. And a lot of it's about him, how he made it. And he made, made a documentary. And then how he, um, one of the, uh, I don't know, ministers of something in the in Israel is like, hey, we'd like you to make a documentary about the Holocaust, but or the Shoah specifically, but from the Jewish perspective, not from like a newsreel's perspective or anything. Right. And so he, you know, the stories he has about how he would go around and get footage and interviews and 
I looked and I couldn't, I didn't see it. I was like, I wasn't going to watch it last night, but I'm like, I really want to watch because I don't think I've seen the Showa. And I like... You were going to spend 10 hours watching Showa? No, I'm not going to watch this. (laughs) Well, yes, I will eventually. I'm sure of it. But it was, you know, talking about how, like, he would track down some of the SS guards Mm -hmm. and then have... Evidently, he had some of them read stories that were diaries of the survivors. Oh, Wow. (laughs) Dude's got some brass balls, man. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just saying, Michael Moore may have learned something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, tracking people across the country and around the world to get some of these interviews. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point in time, yeah, it was a little unclear because when they're doing this, uh, they're switching back and forth between English and French and German because of who the different people that are involved. Right. So... There's a lot of, you know, they'd say a name and then there'd be a he and then a she and then a they. And then for a while, I'm like, wait a minute, is this a German person we're talking about? Like a, an SS person we're talking about? Or the guard? Or is this, uh, who exactly are we trying to find now? Is it a... Right. So like he managed to track down from what I was able to follow, one of the people who for a while was cutting hair at... Um, Uh-oh. Uh, Auschwitz. Okay. You know, doing the hair shearing. It's not... It was all with scissors. So... They managed to get the the uh, the guy, and they found him in New York. Mm-hmm. And you know he's like, and like everyone's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And because you know this is done, took like ten years or something of finding all this footage and getting all these interviews. And he finally gets him images of him uh, doing his interview in a barber chair as he's cutting someone's hair to try to get the 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 memories of cutting hair and these stories. And he's talking about. You know, he was just you know, trying to disassociate himself from being the person who was forced to cut hair mm-hmm. for this situation and uh, how it was just really horrible for him. And uh, at one point in time, he breaks, I mean, breaks down because all of a sudden, like, the wife and sister of one of his friends comes through oh. in Auschwitz. And he's just like, oh, that's painful. Oh. Because, you know, for the most part, most of these interviews are like, you know, we don't want to talk about it. Just, you know, they've compartmentalized so much of what happened to them just to survive, mm-hmm. to try to compartmentalize. And just these little cracks that he could get through of, you know, they're trying. It's like, oh, can you read well, this? Oh, you, sure. How yeah. do you go on living if you're always still thinking about it? You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it was it was good. And so, I, and Wendy, I know when you talk about, you know, what kind of, you know, which documentary do you go for? It's like, well, you got the one about the person who made a movie about the Holocaust, the, <laughs> the anti-death penalty one. The, it's a tough field this year, Pat. It's I a know. tough field. <laughs> the the uh, overcoming uh, bodily damage to become an artist, the girl in the river, and body team 12. <laughs> it's a tough call. You got one about the, du- but I'm going to, I'm going to say it right now. You got one even tangentially about the Holocaust. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> Holocaust. <laughs> so I feel like we should lighten it up a bit. Lighten it up. Wendy, <laughs> talk about Zoolander 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I Take us away from the Holocaust, Wendy. I am not a huge fan of the original Zoolander. I oh. like it. I like it fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I I acknowledge it's like there's funny stuff there. Zoolander two, I was laughing regularly. <laughs> I think this movie succeeds for me because it is 
a lot less about look at how dumb these two characters are because Derek Zoolander is dumb to the point of brain damage. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Like he he wouldn't be allowed to drive a car. He could never (laughs) pass. He could never pass a driving test. Um, He's special needs, poor fella. But this movie's humor relies a lot more on the cameos and the ridiculousness of the scenario. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a lot less about Derek Zoolander. And I know that a lot of critics have hated it and said they walked out and blah, blah, blah. I fucking loved it. All right. I I did. I laughed out loud. I was giggling like a little schoolboy. Because um, <laughs> I was looking it up and I, I, I was thinking about going to it yesterday, but then I saw it was at 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like... I don't want to go to a movie that's got it's that low. It's more enjoyable than that. For one thing, <laughs> the first scene, they gun down Justin Bieber. And they don't just gun him down. They gun him down for like a solid two minutes. They just keep going back and shooting him some more. It's great. Is it actually Justin Bieber doing a cameo? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's, they, I can they get behind pump that. so many bullets into this kid and keep like, no, we're going to shoot him some more. Nope. Shoot him some more. Did you? You know what? Let's shoot him some more. And then, of course, he's not dead yet, and he has to take a selfie and make a face. <laughs> um, it's got Billy Zane. The best cameo is Kiefer Sutherland because he it's not just a cameo. He kind of – he's a small character who keeps coming back, and he plays it fucking straight. Nice. And it's hilarious. He is, and he is giving it all of the emotive eyes that he has. He looks so hurt and betrayed. <laughs> that he is not loved the way he should be. Benedict Cumberbatch has a cameo. He is the newest androgynous supermodel named All. <laughs> and he's Mr. like, they've, they've, they've taken away his eyebrows and he's got this long black hair and he's super androgynous and he keeps getting like way uncomfortably close. <laughs> <laughs> and the the not Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson character is like, wait, so Derek Derek Zoolander's like, is that a man or a woman? Why? What does it matter to you? What what are you are you transphobic? It's like, I no, I just kind of want to know. And it's, <laughs> Owen Wilson's like, do you have a gun or a bun? Like, what is it? Is it a wiener or a gener? What do you got there? <laughs> and meanwhile, Benedict Cumberbatch is getting uncomfortably close to Ben Stiller and like making these faces. <laughs> I was dying laughing. Oh my God. It's got Susan Sarandon has cool. a cameo. Neil deGrasse Tyson will kill you with his cameo. <laughs> John Malkovich is a fashion victim. He's in the criminally insane fashion, like the the prison for people who've committed fashion crimes so heinous that it's maximum security. Okay. Epaulets. Epaulets, people. <laughs> <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. I don't want to give it away, but it's okay. so funny. All right. So, no, is it great? No. Do you need to see it on the big screen? Really? No. Do you need to see it with a room full of other people who are going to laugh at it? Yes. Okay. So this is not one to watch alone. This is one to watch with at least three other people who are in the mood to laugh at something really ridiculous and over the top. So this is kind of airplane level humor, not quite as smart, but not as, not as dumb as like, um, 
scary movie? Yeah, it's nowhere near that dumb. I liked it. I okay. did. Unashamedly, right. I liked it. <laughs> and I know a lot of people hate it, and all I can say is, I feel like maybe you're dead inside. Like, I don't know how you don't enjoy Kiefer Sutherland and Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> oh, and um, there's this weird fashion maven who's got that weird Slavic accent that becomes so bizarre that you can't understand what she's saying. Okay. Played way- she, the way she says hot is hoyot. <laughs> I wrote it down phonetically to remember that. Hoyot. <laughs> and so, of course, Derek Zoolander is like, I literally have no idea what you just said to me. Curious. Hoyot. How many letters did you take to write that down? Uh, I wrote, I took three. Six, pardon me. Each for each syllable. Three for each syllable. Hoyot. All right. Cause, well, I mean, because you got that, so it could have been like a CH going on there, like, you know, Hanukkah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I just, I knew I'd remember that part. Oh, and Derek Zoolander <laughs> has- did, a, Wendy, did you uh-huh. use the English alphabet or Cyrillic? I don't ah. know the Cyrillic alphabet. I feel so ashamed. It would have been so much more useful. <laughs> yeah, you could have gotten that out of it. Yeah. So, we did not nearly get through enough movies to squeeze everything into one episode. So we're going to have to split this one. Ah, so we will come oh back no. with the we rest of the movies. Too much. We will come back with the rest of the movies next week. But uh, for right now, we should do our Pleasure Dome recommendations. Uh, did you have one yet, Pat? Or Get back to me. All I'll right. Get there. I, and I know Wendy's still thinking about her, so I'll start with mine. As you probably have seen by now, because it has gone incredibly viral over the last few weeks, um, there's a new OK Go video out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where they have filmed inside a vomit comet. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so the, the band is dancing and flying around in anti well not anti-gravity but zero gravity whatever it's called when you're inside a vomit comet you know throwing things around inside the airplane and all that stuff and it's very very fun now my that is part of my recommendation but the bigger part that i'm recommending is the making of video yeah where they explain how they put the video together which is really impressive you know first of all just for the planning aspect but also when you do a vomit comet trip you only get about 20 seconds of weightlessness at a time and then you have to level out the plane and go for a couple minutes and then you get to do the arc again so you get the weightlessness so in order to do a full what three and a half minute video they had to string everything together yeah. And, you know, in 20 second segments. And it, it goes even deeper than that. So they go into, you know, how they, they plan the trip and, you know, their their concepts and how they got used to the weightlessness and how they strung the bits together and just all the stuff, how everything worked. And it is fascinating. Yeah. One of these days, I, I really hope somebody just puts together a ginormous dvd box set of all the okay go videos because they're all fantastically creative and i love them so anyway i have one i got a pleasure to recommendation awesome go for it wendy i am uh i'm going old school i'm gonna recommend text what all right so the mocking jay 
sequence, right? The Hunger Games sequence yes. now uh-huh. has finished up cinematically. So those of you who are looking around, oh my God, what do I do with myself now? <laughs> and you're still looking for terrific young adult dystopian fiction. I would like to recommend to you Uglies by Scott Westerfeld. Oh, okay. So this is a future dystopia where once you reach a certain age, you get to be made pretty. And it's the cultural norm that at a certain age, you go in for cosmetic surgery and everybody becomes pretty. But what happens if you don't want to be pretty? Hmm. And why is it that nobody gets the choice on staying ugly if they want to and hidden undercurrents and weird controls and what's really going on and a really terrific female central character who very much like Katniss is very conflicted like in the in the terms of she's technically the hero but is she really is the choices that she makes are coming about for very gray reasons. And uh, I can't remember if this came out before or after Hunger Games, actually, but, you know, like the Divergent series feels very derivative of Hunger Uglies is totally different. It's it's dystopian and it's a female lead and it's YA fiction, but it is very different. Very different. I think you will really like it. And it is a trilogy. Okay. Um, there's more books in the world, but the trilogy finishes off. It's got Uglies is the first book, Pretties is the second, and the third book is Specials. And uh, yeah, they hang together really well. So cool. that is my recommendation for you. If you'd like to actually indulge in some novel reading, I do recommend those. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. I have one. It's a very simple little thing. It's a a little application game that I've been playing, and it's called Crossy Road. Oh, Crossy Road. (laughs) And it is a ridiculous Who introduced you? Who introduced you? Well, yeah, but did you talk about it on this yet? No. See, haha. Anyways, it's a ridiculous little basically 8-bit graphic thing where you can be I don't know, they're up to like 160 different mm-hmm. characters that you get to unlock just crossing an endless set of roads and streams and goodness gracious, everything else that they have there in the different... It's like <laughs> it's like Frogger. That only- never ends. It's an endless Frogger. Wow. wow. Um, and and the way the and the the gameplay changes based on the character a little bit so when you're frankenstein everything's in black and white oh nice <laughs> and uh they just did an update where they uh it's a uh, carnival okay so you're all, oh you haven't played since they did the update crossy roads a difficult one for me i get frustrated very quickly because i'm not good at it oh really how about how good is your top score not not Top, don't no. Oh no, yeah. I'm, I'm just. Oh my gosh, you're. I, I'm I shaming you on this. A, That's so easy. I haven't broken a hundred. Really? I. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I have been spending all my time playing Alto's Adventure. Okay, so and if you like games, you should also try Alto's Adventure. It's not free. Sorry, it's like three bucks, but I find it to be very zen and very soothing and pretty. I think I've already mentioned it. If I haven't, there you go. There's another freebie. Alto's right. Adventure. Cool. 
Crossy Road, I've uh, managed to unlock all but like five. You can pay for the characters, 99 cents a character, or you just earn enough gems or earn enough coins or whatever the heck they are that you can randomly spin and unlock more of them. Okay. And really, I it's just finding out the one you want to do. There's little girls crossing the road. There's somebody bicycling. There's... What? Um, dead? Dying? Excuse me. Dying fish flopping around. <laughs> There's loaded hibachi grills bouncing along. <laughs> that one's hilarious. It is. They, when they bounce, like all the different ingredients bounce in a ripple effect. It's, <laughs> it's really silly. All right. Take us on home, Melissa. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us on Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. We will bring the rest of this episode to you next week on Thursday. So in the meantime, I have been Melissa, and I have been joined by, in Austin... Windy. Hello. And Goodbye. We, we have been joined here in Minneapolis by... Pat. Thank you for having me. Yay! Yay. Always good to see you, Pat. Yay! Yay. All right, see you <laughs> next week. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I, I, I don't know if that's true, true, but I want it to be true, so it's true now. Fair okay. enough. I'm turning into Republican. I live in Texas. No, no, you're not turning into a Republican. I'm, I'm, I believe truth. <laughs> so we are so off topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm on random play. It's been kind of a long day.